Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, um, not just to us, but to your word. Thank you for Andrew's faithfulness to the word. Thank you for his tenacity of spirit that keeps going and continues to provide leadership with this group of people we call Long Jetty Salvos. So as he opens your word and speaks from his heart today, we ask for discernment, wisdom, patience, and above all, Lord, evidence that your spirit is at work still in this place and in Andrew's heart. So guide him, and we thank you for his heart and pray your blessing on this message as, you, as he shares it with us today and pray for open hearts in this room that people will receive it and will grow and develop and be your people faithfully wherever you choose to plant us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, Gary. What an encouraging guy. And thoughtful. Now, Gary is an extremely thoughtful person, aren't you? You are. And um, not only is he extremely thoughtful, he has the cleanest garage on the central coast. Uh, <laughs> trust me, it probably still is. Have you ever received bad news? It's not much fun, is it? Have you ever received... I remember I was just finished my apprenticeship as an electrician. I was a bit excited about being on the big dollars. Back then it was only about $350, $330 a week, but it was big dollars back in the early 90s. And um, suddenly a couple of guys were being retrenched. Actually, it's, this is quite relevant today because um, it was back in the recession that God bless Paul Keating told us we had to have, evidently. And so it wasn't so good for me because I lost my job. Well, the boss was very pleasant. He said, uh, we're just going to put you on casual. Well, that's the polite way of saying when we've got no work that you don't have any either. And so I lost my job. And um, I just, it's it a bit difficult because when you do an apprenticeship, it's normal that you finish after your four years or whatever, and then you've got to look for a job. That's kind of normal. But where I got my apprenticeship was a place that kept people on. It's like a guy had been there 40 years. Sometimes we wondered why he was there for 40 years. But he'd been there. And I thought, well, you know, when I finish my apprenticeship, I'll be able to stay. But that wasn't the case. And so I want us to think this morning, because we're talking about prayer. Um, Alpha, on Wednesday night, we talked about prayer. And I want to talk, how do we pray? Because sometimes we don't know how to pray, do we? I don't know. Sometimes, and sometimes it's just hard. And like, well, what do we say? Like, what is prayer? What do we do? Um, so we're just using this passage this morning because these were the early Christians in the first part, just after Jesus had left the planet. He left his mission in these people's hands and he, um, these guys were doing it. And actually they're doing it well because in the Bible reading Melissa read before that, they healed a guy, right, who was lame. And, you know, if you do that, it usually gets attention. And I got attention from all the religious people that said, you can't be doing that. And they actually threw them in jail. You ever been put in jail for your faith? No, me either, but people around the world are. And these guys were thrown in jail. And then they were told, in verse 18, they called them in again, got them out of jail, and said, commanded them, to be like the government saying, you cannot talk about that. We're not too far off that some days, are we? They called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So they got some bad news. 
The stuff they love to do, they were told, if you do this, you're going to get flogged or you're going to get put in prison, all kinds of stuff. So what I want to look at this morning is what was their response? What is our response to bad news? I'm not sure about you, but often I retreat to the pantry or the fridge or what do you do when you get bad news? I'm trying not to do that at the moment, by the way. But what do you do when you get bad news? Well, this is what they did. And we want to talk about they prayed. But how did they pray? So the first point this morning, and there's some sheets there if you want to follow through. And we're talking about mountain-moving prayers because I don't want to downplay our bad news because bad news is often big, isn't it? Like It's like a big mountain. It's like a big thing in the way, a big blockage. And we think, how the heck am I going to fix this? How am I going to get around this or through this or over this? What am I going to do? And this is the situation these guys had. So we're talking about mountain-moving prayer. And sometimes our mountains are only small, but they're still annoying and distracting, and we want to get rid of them. So what do we do? So mountain-moving prayer, first of all, is God-focused. I don't know about you, but when I get a mountain, often I focus on the mountain, don't we? When you get bad news, we ruminate on the bad news. Well, these guys didn't do that. They actually focused on God, not their problem. We read that verse 23 and 24. They turned on their release. Peter and John went back to their own people. There's a really good bit of wisdom there just for a bit of extra for free. Um, when you're struggling, when you get bad news, get back to your own people. If you're a person of faith, get around people of faith. What I find is when people get bad news, they isolate. There's a bad idea. Don't isolate when you get bad news. Go and find your own people. Go find your people of faith that will encourage you, will pray for you, will pray with you. And they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So they didn't hold back. You know, sometimes we take on too much of the positive thinking of this world. And, you know, they say, how are you today? Well, I'm great. I'm blessed. I'm awesome. It's like, oh, okay, but it looks like you have a big mountain in your, in your life. Do you want to talk about that? Because um, if you don't talk about it, you don't raise the need. It'll never get prayed for or never get moved. So I'm all for being positive when there's something positive to talk about. But if there's a big elephant in the room, you probably need to talk about that and bring it to God and see what he wants to do with it. And that's what they did. They reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them, when they heard this, when their friends heard this, their people of faith, their faith family heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. That's what they did. And they said, Sovereign Lord. That's the first hint there. What's sovereign mean? He's the boss. He's the king. He has all the power. He has all the smarts. He has all the wisdom. And so in the first two words of their prayer, they acknowledge, hey, God, you are the king. You have the power that we need. They said, you made the heavens and the earth. Again, they're acknowledging who he is and everything in them. The early Christians were faced with an insurmountable mountain, actually. So they did what we talked about, what we're talking about. They prayed. We wanted to look at the type of prayer they prayed. They prayed a very God-focused prayer. And they started off as sovereign. Sovereign means absolute leader. That's not bad, is it? They recognized and confessed in their prayer that God was in control despite how they may have, things may have looked. This is really important for our faith, right? Because sometimes we pray prayers, and I've been, I've been practicing this this week, right? I noticed that in my prayers, I use please a lot. 
And it's almost like I was begging God. And I think please is okay, except I think God had been shifting it. So, Lord, I believe instead of please. And I'm just trying to shift my focus because if I believe God is sovereign, that he's in control, even though my life looks out of control, then I say, hey, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I believe that you know what you're doing. And I don't have to know. I just need to believe that you know, and you're going to make a way through this mountain, over this mountain, or blow that damn thing out of the road. Okay? That's what we need to do. That God was in control and would have the last say. They went on to confess God as creator. Here's a great way to get our focus off the mountain. Isn't that interesting when you go to the beach or the bush or the mountain or somewhere and you look and you go, wow. You know, the Bible actually tells us that all of creation points to God. That man is without excuse because when you get in creation, it should raise a question, something like, man, how did this even get here? How does the sand keep showing up? How's the ocean work? How do the stars, like, that should cause us to go seek God. And the Bible says when we seek him, we will find him. And so when we're on the faith journey, the best thing we can do sometimes is get back to nature and go, that's an impressive looking tree, God. You ever looked at gum trees? I had a worship moment at the back of my house when I lived up near Toronto, um, thanks to Melissa's dad, who's a beekeeper, right? And I'm looking out the back and go, oh, yeah, I love this. And he started naming the different types of gum trees. I went, I never even noticed. I thought they're all gum trees. And I thought, you know what, I had this revelation when I was at the zoo years ago. Went to Taronga Zoo where the kids were little. And I thought, you know what, God could have made one animal, one bird, one type of grass, one tree. We wouldn't have known any different. Have you ever worshipped the creativity of an amazingly creative God? Who made how many species of animals? Anyway, and side note, that's why evolution offends me. Because it takes away the fact that my God is an amazingly creative God. Look around. Remember what I said before? Go home, look in the mirror and say, God, you did a spectacular, unique job with me. There's no one else on the planet that looks like me. And that reminds me. That remind. Are you bringing sarcasm, Gary? I've been resisting the urge all morning. I've been good. Um, it reminds me of God's love for me, right? And that he, see that what the world does is the opposite. It says, oh, you've got to fit in. You've got to look the same. You've got to act the same. You know what God says? I created you to be different. I didn't create you to be a, in a box and fit in, go with the flow. Actually created you to go against the flow of normal society and to be different and creative and stand out. Can we celebrate that? That's the kind of God we got, a creative God. A God that places the stars in the sky, a God that's powerful and wise and could, can move mountains. Um, I remember when we were at um, our last church at Toronto, we had this great vision it came from another lady. We stole it. She brought it. We got into agreement with it. And it was to set up a job training cafe. This lady ran the Oasis Youth Centre in Newcastle. She had lots of clients out at Bolton Point, And we'd just set up some building stuff there. 
and church there and in this building, right in the middle of Bolton Point. And she said, oh, it'd be great to have a job training cafe. And, you know, you can't set up a job training cafe without money. And so we're praying about this. We're believing for it. We went to the local Rotary Club who just sold a property and were giving away $300,000. And so we thought we'd go in for that because we set up a job training hairdressers and a cafe. And they laughed us out of the room. And so that was okay. We thought, let's just start with a cafe then. So we went back and asked for $100,000 and they laughed us out of the room again. And so then we went back and asked for $50,000. And between the $50,000 they gave us and the lady who had the vision put in for government funding to get the program and then we got the funding to run the program. We got the $50,000 from the local community and the Salvation Army finally decided to come to the party and say, well, we better help out too because this thing looks like it's going to work. But you know what happened? Oh, that's the bit I missed out of the story was originally Employment Plus were going to give us $50,000 and then that all fell away. And I, and I said, God, I thought you told me. He'd led me to a passage in Corinthians that said, all the promises of God are yes. Now, we've got to be careful just plucking scriptures out of the Bible, right? So, no, God said. But I actually felt God lead me to this passage and that it was him giving confirmation that this was meant to be, right? So, I went back to God, right? The mountain was, okay, great. We've got 50, but we need another 50 to set up this cafe. How are we going to do this? So I went back to God. I said, God, I thought you said all the promises of yours are yes. And he said, I felt like God said, go back and read the passage, <laughs> Has God ever said that to you? You forget to read the verse before and the verse after? Sorry, you should read the whole chapter. You know what it says before all the promises of God? Yes, it says, man says yes and no, but God says yes. And that's exactly what had happened. Employment Plus said yes and then no. And God was saying, it's cool. This is going to happen. And then somebody showed me found $50,000 somewhere else. Praise God. And we set up this job training cafe for young people at Bolton Point that enabled young people to get jobs who wouldn't have got jobs otherwise. I love the story of a young girl who um, went through the cafe and she'd never had money before. She, she trained, she'd managed to get a job at a baker's and then, you know, she was putting f photos. I know, it was before the time of Facebook, so I, don't, I think she just showed them on her phone, was it? I don't know. But she'd spread out her 50s on the driveway of her home. This is in the middle of Bolton Point, if you know Bolton Point, right? You don't leave your cash laying around Bolton Point back in those days. And took a photo of it. And we said, have you thought about a bank account? Anyway, she saved up her money. It didn't get stolen. She bought a little Honda Civic. I think it was a pink one. Is that right? And she drives this thing into Bolton Point car park where the church was. She goes, oh, look at my car. I said, that's awesome. Did you get your license? Oh, no, not yet. <laughs> but anyway, we'd made heaps of progress, hey? We'd have made heaps of progress. And this girl just went from strength to strength because all the promises of God are yes. If God says it, he's going to do it and he'll pay the bill for it as well. So if you're struggling in some area of your life, either God told, didn't tell you to be there or you need to go back to him and say, God, What's, what's the bit of the puzzle that's missing? What have I missed? Just like I'd missed the verse before the verse I was believing for. Does that make sense? Either way, mountain-moving prayer is God-focused prayer. Secondly, mountain-moving prayer focuses on God's past victories. This is so important, and this is what we've been doing this morning. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus. In other words, what they were saying was, um, the rulers of the day, the Jewish rulers and the um, 
Roman rulers put Jesus to death on the cross. That's pretty much what he's saying there. They did what your power had decided beforehand should happen. So what they're looking at, that it's really helpful. Someone, I went along to a church service one night. I was looking, it's just a random church I'd never been to before. I was really looking for something. And I had a church and I'd been there that Sunday morning, but I was just really seeking God. And I went, felt led to go along to this little four square gospel church in Swansea. Um, and I knew someone that went there, so I went along with them. And I'm sitting there, and I was in a state of confusion, right? Do you know when you're, you're somewhere and you're not sure you're meant to be there? Or you think you're meant to be there, but it doesn't feel right. Don't always trust your feelings, right? So I'm sitting in this church service, and the pastor said this in the middle of his sermon. He said, do you think that Jesus looked like he was in the right place at the right time when he was on the cross? No, he did not. But he absolutely was by faith in the right time, at the right place, doing the right thing. But it didn't look like it. Be careful of worldly wisdom, friends. Okay, that's spiritual wisdom. And at that time in my life, I felt like it wasn't, I wasn't in the right place. But God was reminding me that I told you to be here. You are here and you're meant to be here. Dig in. Does that make sense? So we need to get God's word on that stuff. And so these guys were focusing on the fact that things looked bad when Jesus was on the cross, but it was actually the ultimate victory. And more than that, I love this, because, you know, when the devil got Jesus on the cross, I think the devil said to all the angels, checkmate, you know, or check. Actually, probably what the devil said. And, you know, three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. I think the angels went, checkmate. Hey? And that's often how it works, is we think the devil's won, and he hasn't. God's got the victory coming. Do you need to believe this morning that God's got some victory coming for you? Do you need to celebrate the victory you had last year or three years ago or whatever victory or victory God might have given you yesterday to believe for more victory today and pray prayers of faith instead of my please, please, God, help me prayers that I've been praying. It's like, God, you know what? You showed up yesterday and I need you to show up today and I'm going to believe for that, not because I deserve it, not because I've done the right thing, but because that's the kind of God you are. We don't base our prayers on our flakiness. We base our prayers on his faithfulness. Is that fair? It's about him. That's why we focus on him and the stuff he's already done for us. And it builds our faith. When I reflect on this, and I don't do it often enough, I look back and think, man, my life has been amazingly blessed. It hasn't always been easy, but it's identifying those parts where someone's come through for us. You know, or God's come through for us. Um, talking too loud, am I? Or I need a drink of water. Um, like I told about the, you know, it's helped me so much to that story even about the cafe. I reflect on that. So you know what? God came through. I'll never forget. I'm going to, anyway, I'll, I'll keep this story anonymous to protect the innocent. Um, <laughs> But I remember someone who wanted to come to the Salvation Discipleship one year, and I'd learnt this many years before, right? If it's God's will, it's God's bill, and he'll pay it. And so I was talking to this person on the phone or chat or whatever it was. They said, oh, I just don't think I've got the money. I said, well, that's not the question. 
The question is not can I afford it. The question is does God want me to do it? Because if God wants you to do it, he'll make a way for it to happen. Does that make sense? We, we often teach our kids the wrong thing too. Say, so, oh, we can't afford that. It's like, no, it's not we can't afford it. It's not what's best for you. See, God's no isn't that he can't afford it. God's no is often that's not what's best for you. Okay? So if we, the question we need to ask when we're trying to go forward is, God, is this what you want me to do? And if we get a yes from him, then we don't need to worry about the money. We don't need to worry about the means. God will look after that stuff. Does that make sense? Have we got enough faith in the room to believe that? Just check in. Thirdly, mountain-moving prayer trusts in a repeat performance. Yeah, I love the fact that, and I, I use this as an excuse to repeat myself often, I just think God does. You read the Bible? Man, God could have written that, that thing, he could have, Sum that all up in one book, I reckon. But he just keeps repeating himself. Why? Because we're slow. Like, we're not intelligent slow. We're humble slow. Does that make sense? Because you don't learn the things of God through intelligence. You learn them through humility. Let me explain that. Um, It comes from revelation, not information. So our world is all about information. Go to university, fill your brain full of knowledge, get a degree and you'll get a job. Well, that works and that's okay, right? But in the kingdom of God, it doesn't work that way. I can read the Bible till the cows come home and that thing still makes no sense to me. I can go and study that thing and actually use it against God as some kind of atheist philosopher, right? I can. There's people out there who are full on atheists who know the Bible cover to cover, right? Reading it, is not going to help you. But reading it with an open heart to God, saying, God, show me what this thing is saying. Humility. right? So we come humbly and we say, God, show me your ways. Show me who you are. And then suddenly he starts to open our eyes. And we go, whoa, never saw that before. I never understood that before. And things start to change. In Acts 4.29, they said, pray this prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now comes their request. Now, Lord, this is what we need. Note, they didn't pray, Lord, take away the problem. (laughs) See, sometimes it's right to pray that. But sometimes it's right to just pray, God, how are you going to fix this? And sometimes, you know, he doesn't take away the mountain. He kind of gives us a jetpack to fly over the top of it. Does that make sense? So don't dictate to God how you want your prayer answered. Say, God, this is my need. And then try to listen to him about how he's going to fix it. Okay? I think it's okay to ask for the mountain to be moved, but just don't be surprised if he finds another way to answer the prayer. See, another thing they did which was specific, right? If you look at that, we'll get those verses back up there. They were quite specific. Now, Lord, consider the threats of the people of authority. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. So it's very specific. See, sometimes we pray prayers like this, right? And we often taught this by the church. God bless, you know, mum or God bless the church and 
God bless such and such and God bless Australia and God says, I already am. What do you actually want me to do? <laughs> Seriously, God's not stupid, right? He's blessing stuff already. So when we come in prayer, he actually wants to know what we want. He knows what we want, but we need to ask because it's really important that we get in touch. You know the question pastorally that I find people find hardest to answer, and I'll ask it often. You've all, a lot of you have been victims to this question. What do you need? And we often don't know. You know, because God wants us to drill down to that why. Because that's where we access humility. That's where we access the humility. God, I need a friend. Oh God, I need to feel your forgiveness. Oh God, I need some more money to get through this week. Oh God, I need a place to live. Oh, I need freedom from this addiction. Get specific. You know, I heard someone teach this years ago, and I believe it's so, so true. To the degree we pray, so how much we pray, and by the specificness we pray, we see our prayers answered. You know, when I make prayer lists, I see my prayers answered. When I don't make them, I don't see them answered. Part of that is because I can't remember what I prayed. So one of the benefits of making a list is going, so we can celebrate God and say, oh, God, tick, well done. I'll add some more stuff to the list. Lists are okay. And then we can celebrate them. But we need to be specific. So what do you need from God today? What do you need? Oh, I don't need anything. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> hey? Come across lots of people that say, I don't need anything. I'm all right, thanks. That's our human pride talking. I'll never forget a guy that came to North Brisbane Salvation Army youth group. And he was an ochre guy, he's a mechanic, used to jump out of airplanes for fun, he was in the army reserves. And he, somehow, I don't know how, he came to our youth group because our youth group leader went to him as a mechanic, right? So somehow he shows up at our youth group. And we're sitting around a campfire after we'd been water skiing or something, and, and we're given prayer requests. You know what? This guy gave the classic Aussie answer. Mate, I'm right. I'm right, mate. What's your prayer request? Oh, I'm right. Well, you're not right. And I'm not right. Last time I looked, I need stuff. You need stuff. And so we need to get honest about what we need and say, you know what, God, I actually need some stuff. I can, you know, I can kind of struggle along by myself kind of give it a crack, but I know I'm going to come up short because I have so many times. So if I'm not going to come up short this time, I probably need your help. Is that okay? I want to finish with telling you how I got on with my job. I did have to go back in those days to the CES office and sign up. You know what? I don't think I had the faith to pray the prayer I needed to pray. I actually think it's the faith of my mum. You know what? If you don't have the faith to pray the prayer you need to pray today, get alongside someone who does and agree with their faith. That's why I brought my friend Darren here last week because he has more faith than I have. Now, we all have faith, right? But some people are just gifted to have lots of it. So you want to get those people around you and get them to believe for you until you can believe with them. Does that make sense? And I think my mum was believing. She, she used to say this stuff like, oh, God will provide. And you want to kind of, oh, stop saying that. 
you know? Because you're freaking out and you're focused on your mountain and things are bad. Don't get all full of faith on me, mum. You know? That would be my reaction. But she had faith. And you know what happened? I rang up, you know, I tried a few different jobs and it was a recession and people weren't putting anyone on. And I rang this guy one afternoon and I saw an ad in the Korea Mail in Brisbane and he just said, oh, mate, I've had heaps of people apply and I've seen some people and I thought, oh, this is going great. And so then he said, oh, who'd you work for? And I told him and I did my apprenticeship with one of the biggest electrical contractors in Brisbane. Oh, okay. Well, come in and have a chat with me on Monday. So I went in there on the Monday, talked to me for 10 minutes, gave me a job. Hey, I don't even think I had the faith to believe for that. Praise God my mum did. Hey, but can we just, if we can't kind of stir up enough faith to put it in our prayers, get some other people around us who can, you know, believe for us until we can believe for ourselves that God is God, that he is big, he's powerful, and he can fix stuff. You know what? This is the stuff we struggle to believe, right? He can fix the stuff that we've really stuffed up. Because when we stuff things up, we think we deserve it to be stuffed up. And that would be okay if Jesus never died. But he died to fix the stuff that we stuffed up so that you don't have to reap the consequences of that. Do you want to avoid some consequences of your dumb decisions? I do. I make lots of dumb decisions still. And I love it that sometimes God lets me reap the consequences of those decisions just to, you know, help me learn something. But often he doesn't. Often he doesn't. And more importantly, he forgives me. And he makes sure that he reminds me that he's with me. So what I want you to do this morning, and I love this, verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word, word of God boldly. Amen. Mountain moving prayers are prayers focused on the mountain mover.